0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. All right, right back here in the corner getting ready. Is Brian, we'll let you go back here and meet him.
1: All right, this is Brian May, church planner of the Exchange Church. What's going on, guys? This is Lock Point. so say hello. Tell us a little bit about what's going on this morning. Man, we are so excited. We are uh, getting ready for our first uh, ever launch service, our first official weekly gathering. Uh, we did a couple of preview services and had about 70 people at those for personal invites. But today, we're excited about uh, potentially having more people than we have chosen, which is a good problem to have. But we just want to say thank you to you guys, to uh, to Pastor Matt, and also to you guys, because you pray because you give and because you support things like the launch network um, and church planning, man, you are helping birth new expressions of God's body. And uh, we've been praying and planning for over a year and a half for this to happen today. And um, and so today we believe the church launches and God will continue to build his kingdom right here in the city of Pearl. Pearl's a lot like Albertville, as I've shared with Matt, we've got about 25 or 26,000 people. Uh, And about 70% of those people are not connected to a life-giving church. So we don't promise to have all the answers, but we promise to uh, know that we serve the answer and we believe in the answer. And so today we hope to birth a new life-giving church, man, that would honor God and uh, make much of his name in this city and in this county. So big thank you to you guys for all that you do to pray and support and to give, uh, to help fund church planning. That video was taken by a pastor friend of mine for his church that was a partner of ours. And uh, as you could probably tell, that video was taken 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, on August twelfth, two 2012, as the exchange held their first ever all right, Sunday public gathering, kind of like what we're experiencing today. And as you heard from a uh, much younger, maybe better looking uh, pastor... The vision of our house since that very day has been that we would exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and then live out their purpose. And you see, that vision, that foundation comes from our foundational passage as a faith family, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. In verse 21 of Second Corinthians 5, Paul writes these words. You can see them on the screen. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin... To be sin for us, so that in him, because of him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, that verse tells us that God went first. God made the great exchange by sending his son from heaven to earth to take on the weight of our sin and our shame and our punishment, so that we might have the joy and the blessing of what that passage also says. Because here's what verse 17 tells us, 2 Corinthians 5: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Man, that verse today is filled with so much hope for every single person listening today because it tells us that because God went first, because God made the great exchange through Jesus, every single person listening today can have the hope of new life only found in Christ. And listen to me, it's that truth, it's that foundation that our house is built on that old is made new old can be made new through the power and the grace of Jesus. And so today we're launching a brand new series called Old Made New. We're going to celebrate the truth and the reality that God has helped that vision be accomplished in our family over the almost last 10 years and how we believe that it is still God's vision and still God's mission for our family for the season to come. And so first, let me just say, man, thank you for being here, all right? Thank you for making today and this series a priority. Man, we've been trying to tell you for weeks that what we're going to communicate, we're going to say over these few weeks together is going to be vitally important for our spiritual house together, not just this week, but the next two weeks. Man, I'm saying make this a priority. Whatever you got to do, we're never going to say it again like we're saying it right now. And so, man, if you're part of what God is doing and you're joining into our family, uh, man, just thank you for being a part of what God's going to do over these three weeks together. If you do have a copy of Scripture, um, for a moment, I would love for you to turn to Numbers chapter 9. That's going to be beginning half of your Bible, Old Testament, Numbers chapter 9. We're going to read some Scripture from there, talk about it for a moment. I'm going to read some other verses, and then I'm going to tell you a story together today that we're all joining in on. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, we'll put verses on the screen here in this room in our online gathering, wherever you are joining us today. And for a few minutes, I want us to just kind of look at this passage of Scripture. Some of you will be familiar. Some of you may be brand new to really kind of help set the table for where we're going to go today. And really, this is going to set the table for where we're going to be the next three weeks. And so kind of lock in to what God's saying. Numbers chapter 9, we're going to pick up and start reading in verse 15. Scripture says this, it says, On the day the tabernacle, which was the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Verse 16. Verse 16. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night, it looked like fire. Now, let's stop there, and let's understand some context of what's going on in this moment. In Exodus 40, okay, just a couple of books before, God's people built a tabernacle to worship him, to house his presence in that season, and on the day the tabernacle was completed, Scripture tells us that God sent a pillar of cloud to cover it. It was a cloud by day, at night it became a cloud of fire. And the pillar of cloud covered the tabernacle day and night. Now, let's be real, okay? For a lot of us, that sounds really strange, okay? Didn't walk outside this morning and having a cloud covering our building or my house, neither one, okay? Sounds a little sci-fi if we're real, all right? But here's what I want us to understand as we walk into this today. This is not like some mythical, made-up, fairy tale moment that we just read in an old book, okay? This moment really happened, all right? Like, it was as real as today, And scholars have all speculated, what did the cloud exactly look like, all the contents of it, all those things. And here's the thing, we don't exactly know all of that. We weren't there. But here's what we do know. We do know that it was sent by God, it was for God's people, and it was a sign of his presence. And here's what the passage goes on to tell us. Numbers chapter 9, pick up verse 17, says, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites, God's people, they set out. And wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Verse 19, when the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Here's what I want us to grab today. For 40 years 40 years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, fleeing their captivity of slavery in Egypt. And for 40 years, God used this cloud to guide his people. Scripture says, we just read it, whenever the cloud lifted, the Israelites set out and followed it and moved. Whenever the cloud settled and stayed in place, the Israelites would camp there. Now let's like beat 2022 for a moment. Can you imagine this? Like, come on, somebody, okay? Here's, in essence, what happened. There was a cloud above their house, and when they woke up on Monday morning, if the cloud was moving, they looked at everybody and said, let's pack it up, we're moving today. And they followed the cloud as long as it moved. It could have moved for one day and one city. It could have moved for a week and 20 miles, they just followed it. Let's be real, if that happened today, okay, it would take it about 24 hours to go viral, okay? The news channels would be all over it, and we would send that guy to the loony house, okay? We just went, dude, you are nuts. Like, that makes no sense. What are you doing? But here's what I want us to feel today. For 40 years, God's people walked in the wilderness, and they trusted God to lead them. You see, this cloud represented God's presence for his people. And for 40 years, they followed it. God's presence through this pillar of cloud and fire, all right, his presence became some things for them. It became essential to them. I want to give you three things. You can write these down, and then we're going to correlate them in just a moment, okay? Here's the three things that God's presence in this pillar of cloud became to them. God's presence was their guide. God's presence was their God? God's presence seen in this tangible, yet little strange, but tangible form of this pillar of cloud became the Israelites' guide for where to go and what to do. I mean, like it was their compass, it was their map, it was their GPS, it was their guidebook. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, had the chance to go to Ruby Falls in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so if some of you have never been to Ruby Falls, totally about to spoil it, okay? Um, and so they took us inside, all right, of a mountain, not on the mountain, not around the mountain, in the mountain, okay? Like mountain, we go in. They put you in an elevator, drop you a few hundred feet, okay? All my claustrophobic people are just like, okay, I'm done. I'm tapping out right now, right now, okay? A Few hundred feet down into the mountain, open the elevator door, and just like, here you are, this is what you paid for, okay? And we're like, no, 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 no. hold on. Um, And like, they lead you about a mile into the mountain, okay? And it's not very big, all right? I'm just saying, like, I'm about 6'1", and I spent a lot of the tour like this, okay? I'm underneath, okay, limbo, like, the whole time. They drop you off with about 25 people that you don't know, okay? Inside of a mountain, all right? And I'm just saying, like, I started looking around going, like, this, this is how it's going to end for me. Like, I don't even know you guys, and this is it. Like, this is how I'm going to turn it in right here. No cell service. All right, you ain't tiktok your way out of there, okay? Like, that nobody's coming to get you, all right? AT&T has not reached the bottom of the mountain, and they walk you through about a mile into the mountain, and spoiler alert, you walk into this big cavern, and, man, there's just this majestic, magnificent waterfall that was discovered years and years and years ago, and, like, that's what you paid for. And here's the deal. Like, there was 25 people in that group. I didn't know any of them other than my wife and my son, but there was one dude, all right, that I became like BFFs with, all right? He became like more important. I didn't care about anybody else in the whole mountain, and his name was Mark, all right? And Mark was our tour guide, all right? (laughs) And I didn't didn't know Mark before that moment, but me and Mark got real chummy, okay? We got real tight. I'm like, Mark, I'm going to need you, bro, okay? And so, like, you get it. Mark told us, he told us, like, when to go and when to stop. He told us, like, hey, step there. Hey, don't step there. Um, He told us, hey, look at that thing. And, like, we wouldn't have seen it otherwise, but Mark told us. I mean, Mark protected us, okay? So Mark became not only important and essential for me getting my money's worth out of my Ruby Falls trip, Mark, like, became essential to me getting out of the cave alive. Are you following me, okay? Okay? Mark's a big deal in my life, okay? We haven't talked since then, all right? But me and Mark are real close. And what I'm saying to you is that in moments of the unknown, a God is essential. And what Scripture is saying to us is that that's what God's presence was for his people. Like on the daily, hourly, hourly. God's presence was literally their guide, telling them what to do, where to go, when to stop, when not to stop, where to step, where not to step. In fact, Numbers 9, we're not going to read the whole passage today, but in this little passage, seven times, seven times it says, at the Lord's command. It says, at the Lord's command, they moved. At the Lord's command, they stayed. Over and over, God's presence was literally their daily guide to life. Here's what happened. God moved, and the people followed in faith. God stopped and the people followed in faith. Are you with me? God's presence was their constant God. He was their God, okay? God's presence was their reminder. God's presence was their reminder. The pillar of cloud and fire sat over the tabernacle every day and every night as a reminder of God's presence and his faithfulness over his people. Hear God's words to Moses, okay, who was helping lead God's people. Here's what God says. Exodus 19, verse 9. You can see it on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Hey, Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud. Why is that, God? So that the people will hear me speaking with you and they will always put their trust in you. It wasn't them putting their trust just in Moses, but they knew Moses was listening to God. So God put that cloud there as a reminder, hey, I'm here, I'm with you. And you need that daily reminder. So the pillar of cloud reminded the Israelites daily who had rescued them from slavery. It reminded them, who had rescued them from Pharaoh's army. It reminded them who had parted the sea. It reminded them who they were supposed to serve. Like it became a faith building, trust in God, continual reminder. And I can just imagine like as the Israelites were doing like daily life in their camp, somebody got down or in their emotions or overwhelmed with their situation. They were doubting God. God's not with us. Somebody would just walk over to him and go, see that? See that cloud? He's with us. See that? No, don't doubt he's faithful. See it? Remember what he did? And it just became this daily, continual reminder of God's presence. Okay, God's presence was their guide. It was their reminder. Here's the third thing. God's presence was their source. It was their source. It was not only like the compass and the GPS, but think about this. It became a source of shade in the day, and it became a source of warmth at night with fire and light that they did not have and while the cloud served as a guide and a reminder for God's people, the cloud also became a sign and a testimony of God's power to the surrounding nations. In other words, the word got out. And the other nations are like, come on, are, are you seeing what's happening with those Israelite people? They claim to be God's people. What in the world is going on? Have you seen what's over their camp? And here's what scripture even tells us a few chapters over. Numbers 14, verse 13, look at this. Moses tells God, he's like, hey, God, you send that that cloud. Here's what's going to go down. He says, then the Egyptians will hear about it. And by your power, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, you're with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and you're with them in a pillar of fire by night. See, here's the deal. Israelites kind of like me and you. They weren't always the smartest, and they weren't always the strongest. And so God put that cloud over them, and he says, hey, guys, listen, this is a reminder that you do not live, you do not journey, and you do not fight in your own feeble power. I got you. And the cloud was a reminder that they were living under the power of Yahweh, God, a power that was found nowhere else. And it became a tangible source and power that powered God's people and God's presence was their constant guide. God's presence was their continual reminder and God's presence was their complete source. So what in the world does that have to do with us? I mean, what in the world? It's 2022. I didn't see a cloud over the building when I walked in this morning. What in the world does that have to do with us? This was thousands of years ago. And here's what it has to do with us. You ready? Everything. Everything. Because the same God, the same God who walked with the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, hear me, is the same God that we worship today. Same one, same one. Times have changed, the world has changed, but he's not. And it has everything to do with us because I'm telling you today that over the last nine and a half years of this little thing that's going on that God's building called a spiritual family called the exchange, the same God of the Israelites has been our guide and he's been our reminder and he's been our source. Over and over and over. See, in 2010, um, I was 27 years old, much better looking, had been serving Pine Lake Church where I was on staff out in Flowwood for three years. My wife and I had been married for a whopping two years, so we had everything figured out, right? And man, we loved where we were. We loved the church family we were a part of. We loved the ministry role that God had called us to. And as far as we knew, We were going to be in that opportunity for years and years and years to come. But what I want you to understand today is that God began to stir and change some things inside of us. And if I'm just being honest today, we didn't really know what that was. We we didn't know what that was. We didn't know where that was. We didn't know what that looked like. We just knew he was saying something. We began to kind of categorize it like this. It became a holy restlessness. Are you with me? We weren't, we weren't mad. We weren't looking to do something new. We loved the people we were a part of, but God would not let us go. And he continually was stirring something inside of our spirits. And after months of praying, God began to open our minds to this idea of church planting or launching a new church. And I'm just saying to you today, like 10 years ago, like this was never on our radar. Like nada, not at all. Like even my ministry role that I was doing, it was not a pastor, it was not preaching week in and week out. Like that was not what we were doing. So therefore, every time God brought up this idea of planting and launching a new life-giving church, I'm like, no, God. No, like I, I'm not old enough. We're not experienced enough. We don't know enough people. And God using our bank account, we sure don't have enough money. And every time, every time I laid out those excuses to God. Here's how he responded verbatim. He said, Brad, if you wait until you're old enough, until you're experienced enough, until you know enough people, until you have enough money, then you won't need me. And he said, and I I need you to need me more than anything else. And so after months of praying and listening and wrestling with God, We just put our yes on the table. There was a lot of unknown, but we put our yes on the table. And what I'm telling you is it did not make any sense. None. Why in the world did you do it? Because his presence was our guide. And all we knew as a young, dumb couple is that our role is to follow him. And God's presence became our guide so the question became, where? God, if we're going to follow you, are right, you, you putting a cloud up and we just going wherever? Like, wh- where are we going to walk this out? We assumed that God was probably going to send us you know, way out west. As two Mississippi kids. We were moving way out west where there's not as many churches, and we were going to go to Idaho and plant potatoes and plant a church, all right, and like, <laughs> love people in the name of Jesus. But we, we never got a piece about that. Um, as an Alabama fan, I willingly told God if he needed me to move to Tuscaloosa, <laughs> I would. i just asked him to provide the season tickets. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> and we never got a piece about it. And after weeks of I mean, just spending time in God's word, God began to reveal, both in my wife and I, separately and together, that God was leading us just I men somewhere close to where we had been. And so just letting you into our world, we began to pray through a number of cities. We made a list and began to pray through a number of cities. And then just cross off after cross off, no peace after no peace after no peace. One of the cities that was on that list was the city of Pearl. Now, some of you know this. Some of you don't. I'm about to let the cat out of the bag, okay? My wife and I grew up in Brandon. And if you've been here for like five minutes, okay, you know bulldogs don't come to pirate country. Like, you just don't do that, okay? Like, it stops at Walmart, all right? It's the (laughs) Pearl-Brandon Walmart. You come this way, it could get dangerous. Come on, somebody. And we told God that. And he didn't listen. And so on a Friday afternoon in January of 2011, my wife and I got in a car and we drove into a city that we knew a little about and we began praying and just sensing God and saying, God, we're just here. If this is it, man, you you make it clear. And five and a half hours later, we drove back home to our house in Flowood. And I'm just telling you today, I don't have time to lay it all out, but God began to do some things on that journey in that car ride in ways that we had never experienced and understood before. And he made it so undeniably clear that this is the place that God wanted us to launch and plant a new church. And again, it didn't make sense, okay? But he was our guide. And we were saying we'll follow. We gave you our yes, we're in. As we begin to get to know more and more about this particular city, we begin to realize that in the city of Pearl, 39208, there's some 26, 27,000 people and some 70% of our city at that point 10 years ago, some 70% of our city was not connected to a life-giving church, which we assume that means there's a really good chance that that 19 or so thousand people are probably not connected to the savior of the church who is Jesus And yeah, there's a whole lot of great churches in our city, but man, there's a whole lot of people left to reach. And we begin to hear from wise counsel that planting a new church, launching a new church in the name of Jesus is the number one way to reach people far from God. And we said, we're on board with that. We'll follow you, God, as our guide, as our reminder. We're into that. So we begin to follow God's leading into this new city into this vision of reaching people who are far from God in this city and beyond wherever God wanted to take that. So obviously we had the where answered but now it was like with who? God, could you send somebody? Like there's the two of us but we can't do this by ourselves and we begin to share what God was doing, we begin to share where he was calling us to and just like a few people, a handful of people that we knew were like, "Hey, we'd we'd love to know more. Could you tell us more about what's going on?" And so in July of 2011, we had seven people, seven meet in our living room in Flowood. We didn't know what it was called, where it was going to be, who was coming, nothing. We just said, hey, God's leading. We're trying to follow. We don't even know what it's going to look like. Hey, maybe you want to be a part. Over the next year to year and a half, God built that team from seven people to a team of 35 people. And there were so many things that Change for my wife, Heather, and I. We moved from our house in Flowood. We moved into the city to be among the people that God called us to be a part of. People began on our team. They began to make sacrifices. They maybe stepped away from leadership positions at their church to help be a part of this new work. They left friendships. They rearranged schedules. They rearranged their lives. And you go, why in the world would you do that? You, you had something work and it was all good. And all I know to tell you, church, is that God was our guide and he was leading And we were sold out to follow him. Wherever he led, we would go. He was our source. So over the next year and a half, as we begin to prepare to like launch a church, we begin preparing to launch our Sunday gatherings, kind of the, the main meeting moment for the church each week. And we began praying through God, where will that be? Um, we had very little money, and let me emphasize very little money, okay? But we knew that we needed a space, we needed a place to call home base that would house adults and children so that we could gather once a week and then scatter as the church. And so we began praying through a number of different places in this city. And it was like, nope, and nope, and this one won't work, and that one won't work. And in March of 2012, I walked into a business called Kids Rock, right? It's not even there anymore. Some of you remember it. It was an inflatable kind of birthday party business right over next to the movie theater, right by the putt-putt golf course. And I walked in on a Tuesday afternoon, and I met a lady who just so happened to own the place. I told her what we were looking to do. She didn't kick me out she began to tour me around their space. It had everything that we needed to at least launch a portable church. So we got to the end of our 15 minutes together and I said, "Hey, so what's this going to cost?" And she said, "Well, if when you guys get done tearing down on Sundays if you could pull the inflatables kind of back out to get us ready to open," she says, "then we'll call it even." I'm just I'm just saying church. He was our source. That doesn't make sense. There were no other options on the table. But he said, I got you. And I will provide for your every need. I will be more than enough. So we began meeting and preparing to make that space welcoming for people to do church together in. And on August the 12th, 2012, when that video was shot a while ago, we welcomed 123 people into our first-ever public Sunday gathering of the Exchange. The journey did not stop there, because in January 2013, within one week, that business closed down with no notice, and we were forced to go somewhere else and fast. And so we were told that opportunities to meet temporarily inside of our schools here was probably not an option, but then the very next night that we shared the information, the school board unanimously approved for us to begin meeting immediately in the Pearl Lower Elementary cafeteria. And we pushed the cafeteria tables back, and we had church. And we welcomed people in as God began to build and mold this family. I'm just saying, it didn't make sense. But yet again, he was our source, he was our provider, he was our reminder, he was our guide. And we're just saying, God, we, don't, we ain't got it. But we got you, and we will follow wherever you go. Now, at the same time, we begin to realize that temporary life, even though we were open to that, was not going to be what was going to work. We needed something a little bit more permanent. We wasn't looking for a steep a steeple, we were just looking for a building. And we began to find out about this place, kind of at the end of 2012, into 2013, we heard about a little shopping center over off of Beardeman Road where a church was moving out. And we said, we'll go see it. And we walked in, and let me just put it this way, um, It needed a lot of love, a lot of love. And we toured it and walked through the 10,000 or so square feet that we have here. And we said, God, are you in it? And he confirmed that he was. And we said, We're in. And we signed a lease. And again, he was our source. Again, he was our guide. And after seven months of work, and over 100,000 dollars of renovation in January excuse me, in July of 2013, as an 11-month-old church, we moved into this space completely debt-free. And what I'm saying to you is that for a brand-new 11-month-old church in the city of Pearl, Mississippi, that doesn't make sense. You don't explain that how in the world did it happen? I just know he was with us. And I just know he was our guide. And I just know we were trying to listen and follow where he was leading. And over the last eight and a half years that we've been in this building, this location, we've watched God use this space as a hub to serve our city, to bless our schools, to impact marriages and families, to help plant other churches as an opportunity to be generous to people in our city and even to people on the other side of the world. By 2015, fast forward a little bit, Three years old, we had maxed out the little space that we have here, and one gathering was no longer holding all of the people that God was sending. So at three years old in 2015, we launched a second Sunday gathering. Less than two years later, in April 2017, we had maxed out two Sunday gatherings. And at that point, we opened up a third Sunday gathering. In Easter, some of you remember this, Easter 2019, we held five Sunday gatherings across Easter weekend and saw over a thousand people show up to a little hole in the wall shopping center in the city of Pearl. Not because the building was beautiful, but because the spirit of the living God inside of his people was real. And he was our guide. He was our reminder. And we were all in with him. But needless to say, we was out of space. And so over the next couple of years, beginning in about 2017, man, we begin praying and actively seeking, God, what do you have for us? God, we need more space. And so we even put together a team of men from within our church to begin to pray and plan and look. And I'm just saying to you, man, we struck out after strike out after strike out. And if I'm being real today, all right, I can tell you that, that my flesh and our team, man, we were getting frustrated. God, you're you're doing all this but we got people walking out the door because we're elbow to elbow. We, we don't have enough space. And God was our reminder. I've been with you since day one, and I have not left. Do you trust me? Over those three years of praying, one of the spaces that we begin to pray very specifically for Um, was Rankin Square Shopping Center, located right down the main stretch of our city on Highway 80. Um, Some of you have been in Pearl for a hot minute, and you remember all the things that that used to be. I just remember as a bulldog kid, when I could get past Walmart, it was a bowling alley, all right? And, uh, man, we just came to chunk some bowling balls around, hang out, have fun with the friends. There's been a lot of things that have gone on inside of Rankin Square, building and parking lot, okay? Maybe not all holy. But we just saw it. Man, that's a big structure. It's visible in our city. And we believe God could do some really amazing things through it. But if I'm just telling you the journey, like for three years we prayed and nothing substantial opened up inside that space. And we went, God, God maybe we're praying wrong. And he just says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? In April of 2020, one month calculating that, into a global pandemic, I got a phone call that over 30,000 square feet of space inside of Rankin Square Shopping Center was opening up. Come on, Jesus. And you better bet we made a phone call and we showed up at that space, and we began to tour it and to walk around with it, and it needed a lot, a lot, a lot of work. But man, this thing that we had prayed for, okay, for over three years, it was at least tangible. Like, we could reach out and touch it. Like, it's, it's a possibility. And so over the next few months, man, we began to work to put together our finances to, to make the best offer possible, and we put it on the table, and it was rejected. Not once. But twice, to the point that the ownership said, we are no longer interested in talking with you. I'm just being real. It was a low moment. Because we're like, God, God did, we, we, did we not hear you? Like, you, you let us taste it. And then you're saying this thing that we prayed for for three years that we thought was a possibility, like, now the door is closed. Church, I'm just telling you, when we doubted, he was our reminder. I haven't left. I've been with you since day one. you going to doubt me now? In October, the fall of 2020, I called Mike Turnbow, who's a part of our church. He's a contractor within our church. He's been a huge part of our church and a lot of the building projects that we've been a part of. And I called him on a Tuesday. To come to my office on a Wednesday to meet with him, and what I was going to tell him is Mike ranking squares off the table. It's not going to work. And they said they don't even want to talk to us anymore. When I hung up the phone with him on Tuesday to set up the meeting on Wednesday, he calls me back within an hour. And he says, Brad, I just had a conversation with my neighbor that you need to know about right now. Unprompted by Mike, Mike had had a conversation with his neighbor named Robert Brown, and Robert co owned the storage facility that's right across the street from Rankin Square. Robert brings up our church. Robert asks about what God's doing. In the course of conversation, Robert tells Mike, hey, we tried to buy that place a couple years ago, and it fell through. What would it look like if we went in together and we split that thing 50-50? And Mike tells me, and I said, man, we're going to entertain anything that God might be doing because he was providing in a way that none of us had drawn up. Within a week, we sat down at their office with Robert Brown and Lee Brumfield, who was Robert's business partner and co-ownership of Storage Choice, and we walked across the street and stood in the parking lot and prayed together and went, this, like, this could really happen. And, man, they were kingdom-minded men that were so on board with what God was doing in our church as much as what God was doing in their business, and we said, let's do it. Let's go for it. We're going to make this happen. And, man, we, we were believing big for God to do something that only he could do, only he could do. And so we put our combined offer together. We were leading the negotiations, and we pushed our offer to the ownership, and it was rejected. And I'm just telling you, there's only so many times that you can get told No before your spirit grows a little discouraged. And that's where we were. But we reflected back on the goodness of our God and his faithfulness over our years of following him. From day one, we had a conversation a few days later where we met with Robert and Lee. We said, guys, man, we're, we would love to partner. We're still incredibly interested We're grateful for you and your investment. But here's the deal, guys. We got nothing else left that we can put in the pot. We have maxed out what we feel comfortable putting into this deal. And they said, hey, let us pray about it for a few days. The next week, I get a call from Lee Brumfield, and he says, Brett, man, we're so excited. We'd love to partner. We we believe in what God's doing in the church, and we're for that. We'd love to see you guys get in there as much as we would us. So here's what we'd love to do. We'd love to take over negotiations. And we'd love to put an extra $200,000 on the table. And we'll still split the space 50-50. You kidding me? I know how my spreadsheet works. But God's economics are not ours. And I'm just saying to you that he was our complete source. Like Literally he was our complete source. They took over negotiations, they pushed the offer across the table, and it was accepted. And it was all but ours at that point. I mean, this thing that we had literally prayed for for three years, we tasted that had been taken from us, it was back on the table, and like, it was all but ours at that point. It was all but ours. So we begin 60 days of due diligence, their side, our side. We've been just investigating the structure, make sure we feel good about moving forward with the deal. Everything was moving forward. Never forget Monday, February 8th, Lee Brumfield uh, called me. He was leading the negotiation. Lee called me, and he said, hey, Brian, man, we're fired up. Tomorrow's like the day. Due diligence ends. The money goes hard at 5 o'clock. Man, we're ready. Ownership's ready. Everything is a go. And I woke up on Tuesday, February the 9th, believing that everything was a go, And mid-morning, I got a phone call that I never could have imagined. And the phone call informed me that Lee Brumfield, that I'd just talked to at 3 o'clock the day before, was killed that morning. As he walked his dog at 6.15 a.m. along the beach highway on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, a car veered off the road, hit him, and he died on contact. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there weren't some moments where I just went, come on, God. Come on. We're at the 11th hour, and you're going to take it away now? Come on. See, not not only was it the loss of man, a a godly man who loved Jesus, loved the church, he was generous, he was kind, but it, it also meant that it could be the loss of everything that had gone into being finalized that day at 5 o'clock. As we begin to, just pray for Lee's family and Robert and their team and try to love them in the midst of something that was way bigger than a building, sure enough, we got a call a couple days later and said, hey, guys, the, the deal's off. Because, you see, Lee had been the lead negotiator, and it was Lee's funds. They were going to be able to allow them to purchase the facility, and because Lee died and because Lee did not have a spouse at that moment, his assets were frozen, and they couldn't get to him. So the deal was off. And we had to share that with our staff team. Just walking you into that moment, man, we mourned together. We did our best to trust God together because he was our constant reminder (laughs) I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. But are you really, God? Are you really? About a week later, God blew our minds again. We got a phone call from Robert, and Robert said, hey, guys, here's what's happened. Lee owned about 10 Planet Fitness gyms in Florida and Alabama, and he sold them a week before the COVID pandemic hit. And that money from that sale a year ago just arrived on the scene and it's enough to pay for Rankin Square complete source every moment every dollar every penny every second (laughs) ain't ain't no other way to explain I, I can't tell it to you any other way but to say that and he provided for everything that we needed Rankin Square put the money on the table, the deal was done, and they purchased in full Rankin Square Shopping Center from the ownership. And on April 16th, 2021, we signed the papers to take possession of our half of the shopping center from Rankin Square. So almost a year ago, the exchange became the owners of 33,000 square feet of space, and we paid for it in cash. And I'm just saying to you, it didn't make a lick of sense. Like, check this. God provided over almost over three times the money that we brought to the table to make the deal go through And we still got the 50% of the shopping center that we wanted. Come on, businessman. Our name, it progressed so far, our name wasn't even in the negotiations anymore. And none of us had that business plan drawn up. But God. And what I want you to feel and know today is that the same God of the Israelites who walk with them in the wilderness, he's the same God today. And he's been our reminder. He's been our source. And he's been our guide every single step of the way. It's been our story since day one. And it's still our story right now that God has provided and pointed the way. He's told us where to go, and we follow. God's always been faithful, not left us alone, not one moment. He's reminded us, hey, when it's dark, I'm still with you. When it looks bleak, I'm before you. And God has been our source. He's always been enough, every second, every penny, every moment. That's who our God is. That's who he is. He makes old things new. He brings dead things back to life. And so today, we're not just launching a sermon series. We're launching something called Project Old Made New. Now, here's what I know, because I've thought about you and pray for you a lot. All right, it's going to be really easy in this moment for you to hear what I'm saying, look at the screen in our space, and go, it's just about a building and more space. Here we go. And can I just tell you today in all sincerity, it's so not just that. (laughs) Project Old May New is a call to keep trusting God to be our guide, to be our source, and to be our reminder. He has been every single second. He's never let us down. Project Old May New is just this understanding that God is sovereign. He's eternally good. He's immensely faithful, and he is always enough. He's always enough, always has been. Hadn't let us down for a second. We're gonna keep trusting in him, and through Project Old Made New, yes, there is a hope, there's a desire, there's a mission to restore an old building with new life, but hear me, our hope isn't in a building. We believe God can use the space of a building To help people know him and grow in him, absolutely he can. But Project Old Made New is way bigger than a building. It's way bigger than a structure. It's way bigger than a new address. Project Old Made New is ultimately about watching old lives become new life through Jesus. Stories just like Jamie Womack.
0: Jamie Womack, um, speaking of old made new, um, this guy right here, he's got a pretty good story and we're going to share it with you. Um, and I told him before we, well, I wanted to tell him, I forgot to tell him, but before we got in here, I wanted to tell him like this water is not going to make you younger like old made new doesn't mean that <laughs> when you go down, you come back with no wrinkles, right? Um, otherwise we can leave it open after the service if anybody wants to come by, but no, this this water is for him to show you what has happened in his life is that he had this old life and Christ has made him new. And so, uh, Jamie's story is, is that man, he grew up, um, just in a broken situation. Um, dad died, mom was in and out of prison. And so grandma raised him. And, uh, y'all know grandma, like grandma had him in church every time the doors are open. Right. He was, he was involved in church and, and, uh, just learning a lot about God, uh, but not really connecting, and and um, around, around 12 years old, just really, really involved, and then as soon as he got old enough to get out of the house, man, he cut loose, right, didn't go to church anymore, and uh, grandma did what she could in that time, and, and so when he got old enough, he just kind of went his own way, and he started just like a lot of us had done, he started following a lot of things that, you know, just trying to fill that spot, fill that hole inside of him. And uh, no matter what he tried, he tried thing after thing, and and uh, man, nothing would ever just fill that spot. Um, kind of had some issues and ended up in jail. Um, kind of a God story there, where God provided in his life. He was in jail for about two years. He really should have gone to prison for about seven years. Um, and just like blowed, blowed his, just blew his mind, and the Holy Spirit's just kind of, kind of working in his life. It's like, you know what? I'm going to provide for you. And so comes out of jail, um, starts living life again, and gets asked to give his testimony. And so he has to start thinking through this stuff, and he's like, okay, yeah, this happened, that happened, this happened, and it dawns on him, it hits him, and he's like, man. God's been working in my life from the beginning. And he's like, you know what? <clears throat> God, you're in charge. Like, you are Lord of my life. And so in this moment, like, I, I surrender to you. He's like, I, I give it to you. You can have it. God, you, you are now Lord of my life. If you're <clears throat> a part of our house, you know, like, if you get baptized, you share your story with us. We, we write it down. If you're a part of our house and you're a member, you know we ask for your story. And, and the main reason is not just because we want to know what happened, but until you acknowledge what God has done in your life, you don't really realize the, the spots that he provided for you and the, and the spots that he brought you through, right? Sometimes you need to acknowledge those things and you need to see where God worked in your life. And you, you come to the place that Jamie came to where you say, you know what? I surrender. Man, you've got this. You can be Lord of my life because I'm messing it up. So today, as Jamie is standing here with me, Jamie, if this is your story, what's your confession? Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord.
1: of the exchange since day one, is that we would exist to see people exchange their old life, sin and self, for a new life of joy and hope and purpose that's only found in Jesus. It's always been about life change, and it always will be today, all I'm doing is I'm simply inviting you to join us in that vision. I'm inviting you into the movement of Old Made New. And I don't know what your next step is, but maybe for some of you today, you're literally the greatest thing that you could do in this moment is to exchange your old life for new life in Christ. And trust Him. Literally with your life. See, over the last nine and a half years, we've now witnessed and listened to over 250 stories, just like Jamie. And maybe today God brought you into this moment because your life and your story is next. That's why we exist. That's why seven people gathered in my living room almost 10 years ago to say, God will follow you wherever you go. For some of you today, man, God's calling you to new life in Him. And maybe for you, you've been real, real close to Him because you played the game of religion and played it well. Maybe you've run real, real far from Him, about as far as you can figure out how to get. Can I just tell you today that God can save you no matter how near or how far you may be? And maybe today, your next step is to trust Jesus with your life. Now, there's a whole bunch of the rest of you who are part of what God's doing here So I'm inviting you into this movement of Old May New. See, as we we launch today Project Old May New, That's gonna be a banner over our house for the next couple of years. I'm inviting you to begin actively praying with us, okay? So today we're equipping you, the family, with a prayer guide, a guided prayer guide over the next three weeks of our series. And so I'm asking, would you, man, would you intercede? Would you pray on behalf of our family to the God who is our reminder and our source and our provider? Would you pray with us? So today, if you're in our building, you can stop by our Project Old Made New, brand new kiosk out on the wall and you can pick up a hard copy of the prayer guide or you can go on our church center website, our church center app or our website and, and access a digital copy of that. There's going to be a new one each week, okay, over the next three weeks. And so, man, we're asking you to begin praying with us in what God is doing. But I know where some of you are. You're going, hold on, like, we, you told us a big story today, but you didn't tell us what's, what's going on with the building. How are we going to get there? What's the plan? I got you. Next week, okay, I told you every week of this series is vitally important. So next week, I'm going to tell you what's been going on and what's the plan. All right, we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can next week in our gathering. So I'm telling you, we're going to talk about it. I'm asking you to be a part of it. Okay? Can I tell you what is going to be a part of it? I'll just go ahead and let you know as we walk out these three weeks together. There's going to be a sacrifice from God's people to trust him. Ooh, how are we going to do that? Why are we going to do that? I don't know if I can do that. I'm just saying he failed us once. And he's the same God. Since day one, the vision of our family has been to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ. God's been our our constant guide. He's been our continual reminder. And he's been our complete source of every provision that we have ever, ever, ever needed. And he hadn't failed us one time. And so we're going to keep trusting him for the season ahead.
0: Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.